Season 1, Episode 3, Fire Basics, Part 2. Hello and welcome to Get Real. I'm Josh Morgan, aka The Renovating Realtor, and I'm here with my extraordinary co-host, Gavin Townsend. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics here on Get Real. All that and more, coming up next. So last episode, we went through and we're, we're focusing on our first-time home buyers. And Gavin, we went through, what, the initial interview process, what we do with our buyers, or you can call it a buyer intake, maybe? Sure, sometimes I do. Yeah, and we kind of go through them and we, you know, set expectations of them and us, yep. um, what we, you know, what they should expect through the process. We also went through the pre-approval process, how that works, working with a mortgage consultant, the mortgage consultant builds a buyer profile, fits you or the client with the best uh, loan product. I keep calling it a product, but it's just the loan. Yeah, the type. Yep. The program. What is best for that person. Um, and it comes down to, you know, the payment, the price, w- what they're comfortable with, right? It's all about comfort. Um, and what you qualify for. And what you your, qualify your for debt, as well. Your debt, all of that ratio stuff. Yes. And then the next we started the house hunt, you know, that's the... We called it the easy part or the simple or the fun. The HDTV Chip and Joanna special. The fun part, you know, getting to go into inside people's houses is is pretty fun. Um, we went over making an offer. What comprises an offer? You know, that's kind of an us thing. What do we do? It's really behind the scenes, right? Absolutely. You know, so but we work really hard at making an offer, making a presentable offer look really good getting the best terms on the offer. Making your best offer. Yes. What you're able to as a qualified buyer, what you can do, what you can't do, with a lot of power to negotiation. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, so with that becomes a lot of rejection. Can. Especially maybe in the last two years when we've been in this hot market. Um, but, you know, if you keep keep up with it, uh, what's that? That persistence yep. that you were talking about? Patience, persistence, and preparedness. Preparedness, absolutely. Um, you know, eventually we're going to get to an accepted offer. Right. Eventually you will. But when you don't get that accepted offer right away, let's say we you find the house, you're smitten, we put together again your very best offer, and we might be among multiple offers, and so we don't have a crystal ball um, to know what those other offers are going to be, the mechanics of them. As your agent, we liaise with that listing agent to yeah. learn what we can and communicate with you so that we collaborate and put together that best offer. Um, but when we're up against multiple offers and it's maybe a delayed negotiation scenario where there's a deadline, maybe we have or we have not used an escalation clause, and we can tease that out another time and talk more about it. Right. You may have touched on it last time a little bit. But whatever tools and mechanics we used for the best offer that you could provide, sometimes we still aren't the best in the pack. And it's not just always about sales price, folks. Sometimes, you know, you have, again, I'll say it a million times, buyers have to think like sellers and sellers have to think like buyers to be successful. Um, 
Sellers might like the terms and conditions better of another offer, even if the price they offered is lower than yours. Yeah, and I think we finished off uh, part one saying that really what we're trying to do in a negotiation is discover what is important to a seller yep. and try to see if we can meet them on their on their conditions. Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a seller's agent isn't going to give away the farm. They're not going to disclose everything. Right. You know, most if they're really tough, they say, highest and, just give us your highest and best. Yeah. Just give us your highest and best. And, you know, it doesn't give us a whole lot to go on, but we will do our best, mm -hmm. you know, and through our line of questioning and through our conversations, we can kind of detect sometimes. And that's the nuanced skill. Absolutely. And that's why you work with an agent. And, you know, we're spelling things out to create a sort of foundation and learning blocks of what we're doing. But understand that this is so nuanced and every situation is unique. And so it's plan B through Z too. Even when you think things might go this way, um, something else, there's always surprises. So we have to be prepared for them. Yeah, I tend to be more on the, uh, I'll say drier side, you know, more towards the numbers and figures. But there is an emotional side to this. There is a sciencey side. There's a psychological side to this. And you have to be in, in touch with that. You have to have a lot of uh, EQ or emotional intelligence on this to try and just pick up or read between the lines when you're speaking to someone right. about what might be important. Because you can get that sense, and then you can take that information and say, you know what, I have a hunch. We can try it. Sometimes things are just a try. You mm -hmm. just got to try it. Um, and that's an assessment that your buyer is going to make with you. Yes. Say, you know, we can cut out all the fat, and we could just make the dry offer that we want. Mm -hmm. If we have a little leeway, you know, maybe we can take a shot at something. Right. If you're comfortable with that. Right. Right. And I think it's important too. You know, again, your your real estate agent is going to be the person that's be is going to be able to read those breadcrumbs that the listing agents may be dropping. I like that breadcrumbs. You know that's, what I mean? So like, hmm, Hansel and Gretel, where is this taking me now? And Absolutely. so you might think that's crazy. I want to touch back to what Josh just said about there's the science to it, the number crutching, all that. Yeah, that's important. It's really important because it comes down and it backs into your bottom line and your qualification to finance this property if you're not a cash buyer or even to make a decision that makes sense to spend your cash. However... What I love is the strategery the art. and the art of it. And so there is a great deal of emotion involved with that, too. And so your agent has to be able to speak to both those sides. Even if you're not that highly emotional person, your agent's going to have to be able to read people and get into the psychology. If you know you're not a number cruncher, make sure your agent is looking out on your behalf of your number crunching. At the end of the day, it is your responsibility. Your agent is your agent. They're speaking and working on your behalf, but it is a collaboration. So we've gone through all that, we've made offers, and now we have an accepted offer. So this really starts our part two. Now becomes execution, mm -hmm. right? We have an accepted offer, we have signed contracts, um, now we go through, what, our inspections and legal periods? Yes, lots of stuff there too. So let's say you were in the pack of a multiple offer situation. You, it's so awesome making that phone call. If you're representing the buyer and the listing agent calls you and says, congratulations, we love your offer, um, we're going to accept it as is. Wow. But they might also say, we love XYZ about your offer, but, but we yeah. want to talk in a lot of times. We like the terms and conditions of your offer. We like your closing time frame. We like that you are a conventional uh, loan buyer. We like that... Um, you have a hefty deposit. Um, buyer's choice as to whether or not you've done the home inspection, but we like all of that about your offer. But Mr. Buyer, 
we're going to count your on sales price because we have another offer in the pocket over here that we don't like their terms and conditions as much as yours. However, their sale price is higher. Right. So are you willing to come up a little bit? That's a counter offer. And that's really what you're looking for, right? Because the first signal to me is if someone's going to counter offer you, that means, well, we're, we're, we're going to play ball. Right, we're gonna work. To, we're gonna they work, called you. We're gonna work together. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's a good sign. That's Absolutely. a good day when you get a phone call and says, "Hey, we like this, but yes, excellent. That means we're in business, and I can call." That's a good day to call your your buyer. That's right, and it's not a straight up. You know, if it's not a straight up rejection, thank you very much for. They don't have to tell you much if they reject your offer, guys. They can say, "Thanks so much for your time and your efforts. Um, please, you know, express that to your client." However, the seller has decided to go with a offer that is uh, more suitable conditions for them. That's yep. all they've got to say. And, you know, sometimes we can get glee more information, but we don't always know. And so don't deflate. Learn from the experience every single time. Know what we're going to do and what we're not going to do next time. That's really important. Yeah, because as, as we should be doing is coaching our, coaching our buyers as well, because you, when you're going through this process, you should also be, hopefully, if you can, improving your cash position as well, too. That's right. So maybe as time goes on, we can make better and better offers. That's right. Right? So, you know, but so we've already, we've already moved forward with an accepted offer. Yay, we get to call you and say, hey, we're so excited. Yeah. Don't go get the Home Depot credit card. None of that. None of that. <laughs> we've already gone over that in step like one or two. <laughs> yeah. Right? No new Congratulations, lines. Congratulations. No new lines of credit. There's like what? The Ten Commandments of Real Estate. Right? Yes. It's no new lines of credit. Yes. No go buying stuff. No inquiries. No vehicles. Don't quit your job. Don't switch jobs. Right. Don't do anything crazy. This is the biggest life change you're doing right now. Focus on that. Any of that other stuff, that can come after closing. And commit to the offer. You've submitted an offer and it's been accepted. Now is not when we're going to change lenders. Now is not when we're going to say, now I want to use a concession. No. They've accepted the offer. It's been submitted. It's amazing that we've gotten to this point. If you get cold feet, are there loopholes? Yes, there are. And we're going to talk about what that little gray period is. But really, truly, you should not be submitting an offer on a property unless you really want that property. Yep. And so the next steps we're doing is what, depending on your contract, but typically attorney approvals and home inspection. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think people get confused. Like just an example as if I had last night. Yay, your offer is accepted. We'd love to have that phone call. But now what's next? So the first thing I'm going to jump in is... We're going to need the deposit. So in your offer, you specified the deposit, the earnest money deposit that you were going to submit to hold this contract. EMD to add to the alphabet soup. You got it. There's another one. So right away, we're going to want to collect that, and we're going to deposit that in an escrow or savings account, and it's going to go with the listing broker. So your agent's going to call you and say, hey, now we need this deposit. Make it out to this brokerage. Don't assume who it's made out to. Listen to the instructions from your agent as to how you're going to make that out always put in the memo line the address. You don't want to mess this up. This is These are important parts because if something goes wrong with the contract and you want your money back, we don't want to get it. It doesn't want to, you don't want to be tied up. Right. You want them to just, to be a clean break. If there is a break, yep. we want to say we request it, they'll release it yes. and we get it back. Exactly. We don't want there to be, well, we're going to try to keep it. Yeah. yeah. We've got to make this crystal clear. So the first thing we're going to get is the deposit. The next thing that happens once we have a ratified contract, that means that the seller, it was a purchase offer that's now a contract because you have signed it as has the seller. Maybe there's some countering and some initials and some paperwork stuff that happens, but now we have a bound contract. The next thing we do is we send that to 
each attorney on each side. The buyer has an attorney and the seller has an attorney. Yep. The attorneys are going to go through that contract and they're going to make sure that it's, you know, everything is standard, everything, there's nothing, you know, your attorney is representing you, that it's not so one-sided that you're really going to lose out on this deal, that you're not going to, you know, cost yourself a bunch of money. Um, it's really to make sure that, again, it's a second check on your best interests. Correct. So we get we get a deal, now it's their turn to verify that deal, that it's a good deal, mm -hmm. or that it's just not, you know, this is, you shouldn't do this. Yeah, and they scour, they scour the legality of it. So it's the right. agent's job to talk about the deal, the quality of the deal, the negotiation, that sort of thing. But they're going to look at the legality of the contract and the marketability and the binding to it. So that's what's important. They're not going to render an opinion as to the market value on the property. No. Um, you want to pay a million dollars for it? They might say, I'm not sure if you want to do that if it's only <laughs> worth a hundred. But you get the point. They're just making sure the technicalities of the contract are, are real. So again, both the buyer and the seller have an attorney. The contract then goes to both of them for review and we wait for those approvals. And then those approvals come through in on an attorney approval letter. Those get sent to all parties so that they can package it up. You know, a lot of this is paperwork, mm -hmm. and we're keeping track of this this paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're collecting all these steps of the of the puzzle so that if anybody has a problem, we all, all parties have all necessary paperwork, right. and we can document the process right. in case there's a problem. Exactly. So after that, attorney approvals, we're also in the home inspection period as well. But if before you, we get to home inspection, does where does the contract go, Josh? I'm sorry? Before we get to the home inspection, where does the contract go? Uh, to the lender. Out, help me out here. To oh, the lender. Okay. Yes. So not everyone's a cash buyer, but if you are borrowing money, you're going to then, we are going to, on your behalf, your agent, you're going to send the contract once it goes to the attorneys. It's also going to go to the lender because that gives the lender the contract to understand what they have now been signed up for. And they're going to be then contacting you independently as well to say, okay, now that we've got attorney approvals, now that I know what kind of offer you're, you're making based on your prequal, now it's time to actually apply for your mortgage, and they're going to start that process with you. So remember last episode, Josh was talking about the team and all the different people we work with. Oh, yeah. See how we're getting back to that again. So I almost forgot, or I did forget, because my last buy-side transaction was just so easy that it was like, I even questioned it. I'm like, this is wrong. And it's not, <laughs> it wasn't wrong. It was just that the lender was so good and easy that it just wasn't an issue. Yeah. And so we moved right through that. And yeah. that's why I'm overlooking this right now. Yeah, sometimes, you know, but that's where it goes next. And I always tell my buyer clients, they're like, okay, yay, great. I've got it. Now what? Well, deposit, attorney approvals. We'll get those in one to two business days, according to the contract. I'm going to send this to your lender right away, and they're going to give you a phone call. So that's the next 24 to 48 hours after you you go under contract. And really all this is dictated by the contract that we created. Yep. We're really just following the steps and the so order. So read it. Right? Read it. Yes. Understand it. It's 26 pages or so. It depends on the contract. It might be more, it might be less, but there's a reason why we give you the opportunity to read it. We're not telling you to just sign here blindly and we send you a copy after it's been signed. So yes, we've sent them off. We sent it off to the, the lender. You're applying for your mortgage. You're looking to get that commitment letter. Mm -hmm. That's what we're getting to. We That's want a, a mortgage commitment letter. That's what the seller wants to see to know that 
okay, we're buying, we're going to buy this house. You're legit, and now we'll start our stuff. And that's usually about, you know, 14 to 28 days to commitment. Some people will be faster depending on how fast you're going, because this is now another process for you, Mr. Buyer. And, you know, depending on everybody involved in the transaction, you know, that's when they're going to, the sell side is going to order their, um, their survey mm-hmm. and title work abstract and all that you yeah got it. which is required in new york state and it's different in different states right yeah whether you're an attorney state whether you're not an attorney state right. whether you're you know whatever it's a title title state is that what yes yes yeah florida the states to florida yeah so it's quite different so purchasing just remember that on a side note purchasing property in different states varies from states to state, so it's not, you know, in, intrinsic that Florida's transaction process is that of New York State's. When we're on the purposes of this podcast, we're most talking about New York State. Yeah, because if we went, if if we went to Florida and tried to conduct a transaction the way we think, they would they would probably laugh at us. Yeah, it wouldn't work that way. <laughs> you know, and we'd have some learning to do, but we do it this way. It works. So we're mortgage approval process now home inspection, right? Yeah. So if you have requested a home inspection as part of your purchase offer, and we're assuming that your offer has been accepted, now you have, as specified in the contract, uh, a number of days to accomplish that home inspection. Five to seven. It's typically. As much as 14. And again, this might be one of those bargaining chips when you're crafting the offer, because some person might say, I'm going to take a week to do it. And if you know and you're in a multiple offer situation, heck no, I'll get my inspector there in three days and we'll figure this out. Because remember, guys, during the inspection period from the contract, attorney approvals, getting it to the lender, and through inspection, there are loopholes. Either party can break this contract at this point. And they don't have to give a reason. The attorney on either end can simply say, no reason my I'm not approving the contract. And we might never know the story if the seller con- canceled on you or Mr. Buyer for representing you. Um, you might have gotten cold feet. We hope that we've done a better job to get to that point. You don't have that, but life happens. And so the attorneys can kill it, but it's still a very fragile contract until we get through the home inspection. So the home inspection can consist of, you know, the, the home itself, right? The core home, the home inspector does that. It usually in this area can take anywhere from two to four hours, probably. Yeah, yeah, um, I'd say so. And depending on county around here, you know, you might have a well inspection, a septic. Radon is usually a an, an optional election on the contract. And so, you know, these are all inspections that you can do on a house. And so you have to do all of those within the specified time period because mm-hmm. you only have that many days. So you really have to be diligent on the buy side to get these done and organized. So as soon as you get the hint that you're getting an accepted offer, you need to be on the phone or have already primed these people to yeah. say, hey, I've made an offer. I need. I will need your services probably if it's accepted next week. Exactly. And get those people on deck at least penciled into their schedules. Absolutely. So that when you get that word back, all you have to do is either email, phone call, text message, and Lock say, it in. we're go. Yes. And then they, they take over from there. And your agent is a resource for that. So we know that you might not know who who you think the best attorney is, who's going to work for you, or in home inspector, whatever. So again, we're a resource with that. There's often times when I know when I'm going into a multiple offer situation or a competitive situation um, on a property when I'm representing a buyer that I do before even submitting the offer, call the inspector and say, hey, can you do this inspection on Saturday? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and because if they can't, I've got to have 
plan B through Z to represent my client and get this contract to back up exactly what we said we were going to do in the contract. If we are found in breach of contract, guess what? So you don't just say, hey, good for you, accept it offer and kick back. That's when the work begins. So on the mortgage side, we're looking for the mortgage commitment ladder. What are we looking for on the on the home inspection side? What what gets us to the finish line on the home inspection contingency? So, you know, it depends. You know, we're kind of gearing this episode towards first-time home buyers. And any home inspector we work with is a big educational component to yeah. you. So you need to be the there. Yeah. That, are, that will really teach you a lot about a house. Absolutely. So they're, they're bringing you through this house. They're pointing out emergency situations for safety. If they see something that's alarming, they're going to compile a list of things that are, this would be good if this could be fixed this way. Um, but um, the other issue could be um, that there's actually a safety or hazard. So they're going to compile a list of all of these, uh, you know, issues that they may find, any findings, if at all, sometimes they don't have a lot of findings in a home inspection, and they deliver that to you usually within 24 hours after the inspection. Absolutely. So what I'm getting at here is the end is the PINA, right? The the property inspection uh, notice and addendum. Yes. Wow, I remembered that all. Yeah, P-I-N-A. Uh, yep, P-I-N-A. That's another part of the alphabet soup. Throw it in there. That's right. Um, so as a seller, that's what you want to see, and you want to see the PINA, and you want to see what's on it right if anything exactly so there's a couple of things that could happen here as the buyer um let's say you go through a home inspection and there's a couple of findings and some things you can live with and you can fix yourself maybe uh there's an electrical outlet that ideally needs to be uh you know upgraded or uh you know there's a thermal pane window that you want to eventually replace out something like that but if there's something that's significant um, maybe a gas leak near a hot water tank or something like that. It's a safety hazard. And that's something that you really would like the seller to address. That's something that you might put on what we call a repairs request list, and that's going to be attached to this form, the PINA, or Property Inspection Notification and Addendum, that Josh has <laughs> talked about. And so that's going to get then delivered to the seller. Now, buyers, just so that you're aware, and this happens sometimes. You go through that home inspection. It's all your level of comfort. And you've got to be talking to your inspector and to your agent during this time. But they're going to find something. And you've got to understand, is it alarming? Is it actually coded in red and this is an emergency? Or are these little things that you can do and it's not really speaking to the safety of the house? If you think that there's a lot of things on that list, they're going to be costly, that they're important, that, that points to safety, and we, we have information through your agent or otherwise that maybe the seller's not going to address any repairs, or you're just feeling like, oh my goodness, there's too much with this house right now for me to take on, you can walk away and cancel the contract based on the results of that inspection. And so that's part of that PINA as well. Or you might say, you know what, there's a couple things on here. I really want the house still, but can they fix that hot water tank ventilation issue? So that would be something that we would compile in the repairs request list. We put it with a PINA. We submit it to the <clears throat> seller's agent. They present that to the seller. And the seller, again, this is not a deal breaker yet, guys. This is still ongoing negotiation. Yeah, so this is kind of like negotiations part two. Yep. And then, but I would caution people, buyers, to be judicious. Mm -hmm. Don't oh, yeah. flippantly ask for... That's yeah, a good suggestion. Something. You know, oh, I want this needs to be repaired, or this needs to be repaired, or I want them to fix all the electrical in the house. It's unreasonable, uh, typically, unless it's 
ridiculously and great or if we're in a stellar buyer's market maybe but we're not there yet and then here's the other here's the caveat to that too the second part uh you know if you're asking a seller to fix something and it is expensive everybody acts in good faith but a seller wants to do that as affordable as possible so instead of asking for that repair you may ask for a credit. Yeah. Just ask for a credit. I'll take care of it myself, but I Explain that a little bit more, Josh, because you do have other opportunities there. It's not, sometimes it's going to be the seller that's going to take care of that, but it depends on the market. What do you mean when I'm the buyer, Josh, and all of a sudden they're not going to do it, but maybe they'll give me a credit? What am I asking for? Yeah, so this is all market dependent, right? And we have to analyze the market and we have to figure out where are we? Are we in a balanced market? Are we in a hot market? We're neutral, cold, where are we? Because that depends on what you ask for. But if you think that there is a repair that needs to be made or you want to be made, but you want it, you're going to be specific about how it's repaired mm -hmm. and you have any doubts about that might not be up to what I want or you think that they're just going to just get it done to sell the house, then you may want to ask for that credit and that credit comes back to you and you're going to probably need to support this with documentation to right. say, hey, here's a quote. I'm not just asking for $10,000 because I feel mm -hmm. that that's what it's worth. Mm -hmm. Go at it with a, with a quote. Mm -hmm. if, if you feel that you need to get several outlets replaced because it's a safety issue, say it's a you know GFCI by a water source. That's right? a typical finding. It is a typical finding because people don't always know that. They might just replace it with a, with an, with a receptacle. Right, so but we do need that replaced. We have children in the house. We don't want this to be an issue. Uh, so we get an electrician. We say it'll cost this much to replace these receptacles for for this much money. And you say, okay, I want a credit for three hundred to five hundred dollars, whatever the cost of that is. You're not asking for above and beyond. You're not asking for emotional, you know, money right. money here. Right. You're asking They're not going to show up in a check in the middle of the night for you. You're asking for actual costs. Right. That's what we're doing. Right. Because you know it's. You're just not going to be awarded that, and people are sellers are going to be upset. Yeah. Because you're asking for an exorbitant amount of money. Yeah. I had a friend who just purchased a house. He had HVAC issues, and he said it needs a new furnace. I said it needs a new furnace or it needs a new drain pan. What are we talking here? Right. Are we talking about five hundred dollars? We're talking a about eight thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, because I would say if you're going to ask for a whole new furnace in your market, you're probably not going to get that. What does it need? Get a person in there. Get a quote. Right. And then turn that quote in with the ask so that they can see. Yeah. If they want to contest it and say, I can get it done for cheaper, no, well, there's always someone who can get it done for cheaper, but sure. this is reasonable. Get three quotes, pick the average. So again, I think what I hope what you're hearing us say is that again, it's never just a straight line. You get through that home inspection. If there are findings, there's an opportunity there. It doesn't kill a deal if you've got something that's concerning, but it's still a point of conversation. And that's again why you have an agent to act on your behalf, go back and forth between the sides there, and and come up and keep that deal alive if you truly want to keep that deal alive. Yeah. So to close the loop on this, you know, where home inspections usually have seven days to fourteen days, and that's a long period but you know it could be as much as it could be it could be but typically in this market like three to five days yeah. now other inspections like the other and we'll get into this another time but in our area we have a lot of folks on septic if you're in a, a rural area yep. and septic inspections are going to be dependent upon um, the weather conditions so if you're under contract middle of winter and that ground's frozen, they're not going to be able to inspect that septic. Septic inspections usually can be about 14 so days. So we keep money in escrow in the event, right? Yes. And so that's a that's a solution for that. Yes, we can still 
property, selling property doesn't stop in the winter. Right. We keep working through it. We just hold money in escrow. We move past it. That's right. It could be a sticking point for some people because if you don't have money, if they don't have money to hold an escrow, mm -hmm. then maybe they can't close that sale. Maybe we can't do that. Right. Yeah. But you know, those are all steps of the process. It's all sometimes county specific yes. because sometimes you do need it. Sometimes you don't need it. And sometimes you want it. Sometimes you don't care. Right. It's all dependent on how comfortable you are. Absolutely. And a radon inspection, which is another thing that, you know, again, different markets, but we want to talk about and focus on our market. We haven't seen a lot of radon inspections lately because of the market being really stellar on steroids. But as we're balancing, we're seeing a little bit of a return of radon inspections. And so what's radon? It's it's a gas that comes from the earth to be very very much in layman's terms, but it can be um, a hazard to your to your family. Colorless, odorless, carcinogenic gas Correct. that seeps through the foundation of a property and could and is harmful, um, is is present. In places, yes, um, you can have it tested. Simple test. Yes, and it's got to be now. There's probably radon everywhere, but it's got to meet the particular level of approval. So if right. it if it exceeds the acceptable level of radon, that's a radon test, and that's got to be done. And it's got to be sent out, and that's usually about a week to get results. So Absolutely. you can see why the contract right now is still very fragile because if you just did a regular home inspection, okay, you might have the results of that and resolve that in five days. But you're still dealing with other things like radon that's going to take some time and then potentially septic and other things too. So we've gotten through all that. We've gotten the signed peanut. The seller is happy. You're happy. We've moved through it. That's the contingency is now gone. We've gotten the attorney approval contingency. That is gone. Yay. We're moving through that. On the back end, uh, we're having the wheels of the mortgage application turning. So underwriting yes. is going through now and and basically underwriting the deal or making sure that it is a good deal for them to loan money onto this asset. Absolutely. So a lot of times, don't be surprised, when you go under contract, your lender's going to start working with you right away and do your application, et cetera. But they, too, are waiting with bated breath in regards to the results of the home inspection. So because they're not going to go through all that and get that turn and burn going until we know we're proceeding with the contract and the inspection has been taken care of. So once we do do that and we get the green light, um, and you get through your appraisal, you get through your mortgage application, et cetera. One of the next things that's going to happen is the appraisal appointment. Appraisal, yeah, absolutely. And so the appraisal, on the just so you know, the selling side, the appraiser is going to contact the seller. They're going to schedule the appraisal, and the appraisal is a pretty non-invasive process. They yeah. come to the property, they look at the property, and they compare it. They basically do a more in-depth comparative market analysis. They have a more technical term for it, I know, mm -hmm. um, because they are, at least in New York State, all state certified. Yep, and licensed. Uh, and yep. li licensed, sorry, not certified. Certified is yep. a different thing. Licensed, yep. uh, New York State appraisers. And so they do their appraisal process. And what they're looking for is that the loan amount that you're requesting for this property is going to meet the value. Yes. That the, the value of the property supports the loan amount. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, what do we do now? Well, there's a couple different things that might happen. So, <laughs> you know what? That's not the news that anybody wants because, especially in the sellers on um, steroids market that we left, you heard stories and they're they're factual that folks were offering above um, list price, et cetera. 
um, and because they wanted to, because they wanted the house. And so, um, you know, there was a time that the comparables were out there to stretch and get them to those limits. Now, I think that with the market kind of settling a little bit and people getting down to what maybe list price comparables were, not what it sold for necessarily, maybe it listed uh, 20 below what it actually sold for, we're paying attention to the list price a little bit more. And so is the appraiser. So you want the house to appraise because you want the loan to move forward. But if it doesn't appraise, there's a couple of different things that happen. It still doesn't kill the deal. No, you have a couple <laughs> options as a buyer. <laughs> yeah. And your options are, um, what do they call it, the gap. Yeah, you so can you, fill it in yourself. You can come up with that money yourself. And An you appraisal can, gap. And they will still make that loan, but you just have to come up with whatever the appraisal amount. and between Differences. The, between the appraisal and between the offer price, whatever that is. And then, or you can contest the appraisal, mm-hmm. um, right? So you, you can, can and can, provide comparables that support the loan amount and what you what your purchase price was. And so just know that the burden, just like Gavin said, the burden is now on you mm-hmm. to you know do your own work, do your own research, and sometimes that has favorable results. Probably more often than not, not um, because I don't believe that they're required to no. you know move at all on their valuation. Right. Um, they could you know can take those into consideration. Right. Um, you know, and maybe they are from out of area and they don't know the area so well. And maybe there are maybe a few different things that they might have missed. Right. And you can point that out to them and maybe you can get a valuation uh, reassessment. You can. And it, and it happens. And it can be resolved. And, you know, you don't want to shortchange your buyer either. If, if it comes, you know, this is an opportunity to say, okay, now we don't, didn't appraise. What are our options? Either, like Josh said, A, buyer can kick in to address the appraisal gap. Sometimes you saw in the previous market that um, when offers were submitted for way over asking that the sellers requested an appraisal gap waiver form right in there right away um, to say that, yeah, you will kick in the extra cash. Now, not a lot of buyers I know, some did in that previous market, but do you have that extra cash to kick in? Because that's what's gonna be expected of you. Or you can contest it and, and go that way, or you can come back to the seller and negotiate. Part three. Okay. Negotiations part three. You can ask the seller, okay, are you going to bring the sale price down to that level? In the seller's market that it was, that wasn't a popular option. No. Or D, can you meet in the middle somewhere? So as you see, it doesn't kill the deal. You still have all these avenues of what can be done. Um, You just got to be cognizant with those things when you're submitting an offer too. So that is going through the appraisal process. Um, the underwriters are still processing that. They take that into consideration. And then again, the, the ultimate goal is the mortgage commitment letter. That's what we're working with. That's yes. what says you can buy this house. We will loan you the money. Ding, 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 ding. And that's another happy day. That's another happy dance. We love to call you and tell you along with the lender that you have received mortgage commitment. Another wheel that's going to be turning is going to be something that you'll need around here is homeowner's insurance. Yes. Homeowner's insurance is a smart idea because it is a huge investment. If something, you have insurance on your vehicle to protect you and other people, you have homeowner's insurance to protect you and other people, especially in this investment because sometimes you can tone down the insurance on your car because you can afford to pay for that. But you, I don't think most people, I'll say most people, not all, most people can't afford to just go buy another house. Right. They need to have a form of coverage who will make their loan or lender whole in the event of an accident, mm-hmm. a devastating catastrophic accident, mm-hmm. and then you will need to have some way or means to rebuild 
And that's what insurance does for you. Absolutely. That's what homeowner's insurance does for you. It protects you. And so you're going to want to talk to a homeowner's insurance or an insurance agent. Mm -hmm. They will help you sort through the coverages, the limits, the dollar amounts. If you can bundle with your existing, whatever is the best bet for you. Actual cash value, replacement mm -hmm. cash value. Those are two different big terms. Um, used when we're talking about older buildings right. um, because you can't just go build another structure like yours for the money, you know, for what you bought it for. Right. It's probably going to cost considerably more. Yes. And so, and that plays yes. into the two, that plays into the two factors of it. I think we're at, you know, what were we at? 250 a square, $250 a square foot built. Um, if you're going to do that, you know, that's up probably from about a hundred dollars. Oh Yeah. Big time. You know, two, five years ago-ish, I yeah. think. I mean, it's exorbitant. And think, keep in mind, too, with this homeowner's insurance and the commitment letter, this isn't just a yay you. This is proving to the other side, the seller, that you're still meeting all your benchmarks contractually obligated, okay? So it's a requirement of your lender that you're going to have owner's insurance. And you're going to have to provide proof of that to the lender and also to the other side. They're going to want to see that because they need to know at all times, what's the litmus test on this? Is this transaction moving forward smoothly and appropriately. Same thing with that uh, commitment. We're psyched that you got that, but the next phone call I make is calling this listing agent saying, hey, we've got commitment. Yeah. Because then that gives them the green light to get their button gear. You're kind of, as a, as, a, as a list agent, kind of holding your breath, right? Yes. You're holding your breath, you're holding We're your breath. We're working towards and, commitment. And then as soon as you get the commitment, usually, you know, I've I gotten an email here recently and I was like, Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> and then we're good. And so now they're going to, on the selling, on the list side, um, the sellers are then going to say and work with their attorney to get the title work going, get the survey ordered if it hasn't been already, all of that good stuff. Because again, put yourself in the shoes of the seller. They're not going to put that time and expense into that until they know that this is real, you're committed, and you're buying this house. So we have homeowner's insurance. We're talking about So at this point, that. we're like 30 days into the... We could be 30 Probably. days. We're like 20 to 30 days into the contract, guys. To and, give and, you a little slide rule here. And we're working the whole time. Oh, yeah. Everybody is working the whole time. Not yeah. just us. Everybody is Everyone. working. Including the buyers and the sellers. We're all working to get the deal made. Now we're moving on to, you know, you have to meet all the loan conditions. And so now this is when the loan... Don't go changing. Yeah, exactly. This is when we're <laughs> going to circle back and we're going to recheck all the stuff that we checked before we even started buying houses, right? Or looking at houses. Yeah. And so they need to make sure that no big changes happen. No new lines of credit were open. No, no new job. No job changes. Say it one more time. No new job, no job <laughs> changes. Don't you don't want to change anything. This isn't the time. This is the biggest life change. Let it be the only life change that you're doing for this process. After that, you can do whatever you want. Don't do it during the closing or deal making or any type of home buying process, you will it will mess it up. It will. Resist the temptation. I can tell you all the time, and your lender is going to hit you over the head on this too, okay? So it's cardinal rules, but I can tell you, and I can give examples, it's so tempting. We're, well, I'm going to be buying this new house, and we're, we're about 20 to 30 days from closing, and I want new appliances, and hey, Home Depot's got a great deal. So if I open that credit card, I can get 750 bucks towards my appliance. Don't. Do it because I can tell you, I've had a client who's done that and it backed up the entire process. It almost killed the deal. 
even yeah. though that person was warned to not do that. But the lender then had to do some fancy footwork because then all of a sudden you took on new debt and it changes the entire picture. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? It's a very big deal, even if your lender can salvage it. But here's the deal. You can be in contempt of not meeting the, date, the dates and the deadlines on the contract. So now if that backs you up two weeks... And you were in a multiple offer situation. And they yes, have an the offer on the back yeah, burner. Yeah, and the seller doesn't want to start all over. Don't get me wrong, no. but we're we're looking down the nose at closing this transaction up, and you do something like that, you are jeopardizing it. And so you just don't do it. Don't go changing. Stick with your gun. Stick with the contract. Listen to your agent. That's the theme song. We should really walk into any, uh, you know. I'm gonna bring Billy process. Joel on repeat don't all the time. Go <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Don't do it. All your loan conditions are met, and now this is another action of you. We're doing final walkthroughs, typically. Well, what we do when we finally hear from the lender that we've got the clear to close, okay. that's the other happy dance we do. Yeah. So finally, when you've behaved very well, everyone's got everything's ready to go, and so the lender says all conditions have been met by the buyer. We're good to go. We get the clear to close from the bank. Hallelujah. Clear, clear to close. We're yeah. high fiving. Now it's in the court of the attorneys and the bank attorney involved because, yes, the lender has an attorney as well. Yeah. And they start talking about the closing date. When are all those parties available to meet to close up the deal? And they're going to call you, the buyer, too, and they're going to call the seller and say, what do you guys think about next Wednesday at 2? Yeah, typically I would say what your attorney, the buyer's attorney would group everybody in email and said, hey, we've got the clear to close. They're trying, we're trying to, we're trying to schedule it for 3 p.m. on Tuesday. Right. Does that work for you guys? And if you're a buyer, be flexible, make this work. Yeah. Because getting all these professionals together whose time is valuable, not that your time is not. Right. But these are high dollar people here that charge a lot of money, you know, per hour. If they offer something and you can remotely make it work, yeah. let's make it work. And you have to understand, too, closings back in the day used to be much more labor-intensive on that day. They could have taken hours. We were just talking about this in a meeting previously today where all parties did attend, and they sat around the table. might have been a little awkward, and they would wait until somebody ran over to the courthouse to actually record the sale and come back, and that could have taken an hour or more. Yeah. And so you're sitting there in a meeting for several hours. That's not so much how it is now because we do so much of the legwork and the paperwork prior to. So once we have a closing date established, we get that on our calendar, and then your buyer's agent's going to contact you, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, and say, let's schedule the final walkthrough. Yes. So, you know, I typically do my final walkthroughs as close to the closing date as possible. Uh, so anywhere from 24 to 48 hours. Why do we do that? Why do I do that? That's because you don't want to go through this property uh, and see it in a state, and then in between that time, the buyer still owns the property. Everybody acts in good faith, but sometimes things happen. Correct. And something is removed, something is changed, uh, damage is done. They took the microwave when they weren't supposed to. Yeah, something happens, and then you come in, you've already signed the paperwork, you know, your signature might not still be wet on the paper. You walk into the house and you discover this. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Oh, 
Well, there, there's a couple of things. So, so back to your point of when we schedule the final walkthrough. Again, understand that this is not a home inspection. Okay, no. so we're doing it 24 to 48 hours prior to. You don't want to do it too far in advance for the reasons that Josh has said. And you certainly don't want to do it the day of. <laughs> because sometimes you get forced into that. Don't do it. Back it out. You want to have time. Because if you do run into something, like all of a sudden there's a leak, that's a typical one. You know, it's no malice meant. It's not that the seller uh, was kicking the can. But, you know, with the weather we've had in this um, climate recently in the region, it's not unusual that maybe there's a faucet leak. And so now we've got the 24 to 48 hours to contact the selling, the listing agent and the sellers and say, just not sure, but there's a leak and could this be addressed? Because Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, you don't own it yet. So these are the opportunities to not do a home inspection, but to make sure the repairs you did request as a result of a home inspection were addressed, one. Or if there's a little something iffy that could be addressed quickly. But no, don't bring the family in a ladder and think you're going to crawl through the attic and start doing a, yeah. a full-blown home inspection when maybe you even waive the home inspection later on. That's obviously an inside joke, and we'll talk about it later. But Negotiations part four, though. Yeah. Really? Negotiations part four. You know, and again, not killing the deal. We're right. working through it. Right. You know, and so this is an opportunity that maybe you ask for another another chance to ask for a credit. Yes. And again, not being ridiculous or egregious. Yes. You're asking for actual monies, yeah. not emotional money. Right. It's, Can we still proceed? Do we still want the house? Can we remedy this? Yes. Then that's that's a perfect way to put it is a remedy. Can yep. we remedy this? You know, it's Nobody wanted to, like you said, no malice. Nine not, times out of ten, that's not the case. Everybody we, wants to close. But we just, yeah, especially being that, that far along in the process, 60 to 90 days, and, you know, so we're just like, okay, fine. This is what we'll do. Yeah. Your buyer will get a $250 credit for a faucet. Yeah, and it's not a given, okay, because, again, here we go again. We're back to your team. So if during that final walkthrough you find something like a le leaky faucet or something and you think, well, I can deal with that, but can they credit me at closing? It's not an automatic that, Mr. or Mrs. Buyer, you say to me, I want a credit. I then have to build that case, present that case to the listing agent who's going to speak to the sellers, who's then alternatively we're speaking to both of our attorneys to see if we all agree to that. Again, like Josh said, part four negotiation. And this is why it's also all along the way is to be judicious because if you've just been asking, 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 taking, 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 you could get to the closing table and find yourself at finally a stone wall. Exactly. And you can, and they can tell you no. Yep. And so, and that's where you need to put the rubber to the road and say, are you going to close this transaction or are you going to walk away because of a $50 leaky faucet? Right. And that's probably the way we're going to frame it to you because it's just real. Right. Which is different than another thing that came up in a meeting earlier today where a seller had removed an entire staircase. Now, I, oh that would be goodness. different. <laughs> a staircase. I that could not imagine seeing a home. <laughs> I could not imagine seeing a home going through the transaction, getting to the past the closing. Yeah. Closed. Getting, to your, getting the keys, going into your new home, and not being able to get upstairs. Yeah, because they've removed the staircase. So buyers, we're not telling you this because we're telling you to lay down. We're telling you because there's a big difference between a $50 faucet 
and a not even it's hard to even say that it's a fixture we're talking about a major component of the home missing so <laughs> if we go through a final walkthrough and the stairs are missing yeah we're gonna we're gonna stop rack and order and that's probably gonna hold up closing and it might even kill the deal so don't get us wrong we're not trying to say uh you know lay down it just we have to again i like josh's words if we've been judicious throughout the process and we're being reasonable because we expect both parties to be so, then we have to continue that out through the final walkthrough. Absolutely. So final walkthrough is done. This is a good opportunity to remind our buyers to transfer utilities, to call all the parties, to make sure you know the water is still on and everything is good. Yes. Um, you want those to be transferred as soon as possible. Um, and you can schedule those most of the time. You can. You can call ahead of time. So once you know that, know the closing date, which is going to be important for your binding of insurance too, that, that comes up along the way. Um, but in regards to utilities, once you know your, your closing date and when you're doing your final walkthrough, you can call the utility companies. If you're not quite sure what those companies are, contact your agent. Your agent's going to work on your behalf to get that if they don't already know. It could be gas. It could be water. Um, it could be um, propane. It could be the um, public waste system, et cetera, all those things. And so we ask that the listing agent ask the seller to please not cancel those utilities. Please don't leave us high and dry. Especially in the Northeast with these frigid climates because if you do that, then you probably will get a surprise. So what we're asking simply those that you too, buyer, get on it and make sure you make the phone call and confirm that you've had those transferred so that the seller is not feeling neglected after they've closed and they're still paying bills, but that you have backup and you have confidence that those bills and utilities are still in order when you walk in after closing. Absolutely. So we have all that set and I think what we have to do is go to closing day. <gasps> right. And then it's closing day. Yeah close the time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's awesome. So you get through your final walkthrough, and if there's any issues that arise, we deal with them. Um, and and then it's the most exciting day. You've got it marked on your calendar. It's the day you've been waiting for. It's your opportunity to reflect and look back at the last 60 days. And if you've been searching for a home for a year or two prior to that, you're going through a lot of emotions. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, for a buyer to sit around the close a closing table, um, you know, is pretty exciting. But for the most part, it's kind of a dry process, right? You know, and then and people know this, especially if you're a first-time home buyer, which this is all focused on. And so, you know, you'll have attorneys in there. You'll have maybe you'll have you'll have your attorney, the seller's attorney, and then possibly the bank attorney. Right. And they're all going to have probably what at least this was what it was when I closed on my house was they all had checkbooks. Yep. And they have their own statements of closing funds, and this is where they divvy up the monies right. to make sure that everybody who needs to get paid gets paid, right. that all the prorations are correct. correct. They're double checking at each other that to statement. make sure, yep, to make sure that they all have the up-to-date information. If there's a discrepancy, they're going to sort that out. Right. They're also, depending on where you close, it could be where it is recorded. Right. I closed at the county clerk's office. Sure. They have a room for that here in town. And so they take it right across the hall and they go get that recorded. You get your final closing statement, and this is also where you probably are going to walk through town with the largest amount of money <laughs> in your hand. That you've ever had, maybe, yeah. It made me so nervous, and I gripped that with such... There was... My <laughs> skin was so white. I, man, if it's a windy day, it'll, mm -hmm. make you, it'll make you nervous, because this check is probably the biggest, most amount of money that you might have held in your hand. Absolutely. In certified funds... 
ever. Yeah, right. It's a huge deal for me. Yeah. For for buyers, right? Absolutely. And so, and it's I guess maybe it doesn't matter how many houses you buy, but it could probably still be a big deal. You know, this is. It's always a big deal, and it's always exciting because your meet goal met. You know, yeah, look at everything it. you've gone through, you know, and, and every transaction is as unique as the people involved with it. Um, and so you've had a journey and the journey, um, it, this chapter of the journey is closing and, and then literally and then you're moving into the next chapter of homeownership, which is totally exciting. But, you know, a lot of times buyers will ask me around you know, while we're setting up the final walkthrough, well, what do I need to bring to, with me to closing and, and what do I owe and what are my closing costs? You're going to get that. Um, closing disclosure from the lender. And so you're going to have to, you know, file that days before the final walkthrough. And so your attorney is going to calculate, like Josh said, your prorations for taxes, utilities, credits, debits, all those things. And they're going to turn that around to you. Now, a lot of times buyers, I find, they get frustrated. What you, you're telling me, I'm not going to know until... 24 hours before or maybe even less nerve-wracking experience and kind of puts you on pins correct that is absolutely correct that is not somebody not doing their job that is not you getting something that you think you should that's it's or shouldn't it's that's how it is because it's calculated down to the day it's timing it is. It's just timing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they, you know, they want to make sure that when they calculate the prorations that they are correct and that there's no adjustments. I just closed a transaction where there was an adjustment. After all the negotiations, we had we had a, an attorney request an addendum, a, t- a title, a title addendum. Okay. A new title addendum. Sure. Was, you know, so we've gone through all this. Hey, bring a personal check for $30. Right. So bring the checkbook with you. Come on. Uh, you know, and again, your attorney's going to, but you know, but things happen, guys. And we don't always know that. Yeah. Um, but the attorneys are going to work with you and give you what they can. It does feel uncomfortable because it's so close to the closing day. But yes, that's how it is. That's typical. And you might still have surprises at closing. When you don't, we're heel kicking even more because a lot of times we do. So these are the things you need to think about. They'll tell you, um, oftentimes your attorney, um, that it has to be a bank check and it's got to be made out to this specific individual. Again, don't assume. You don't always know to whom these checks need to be made out. Sometimes you're making out more than one check. My best practice is to pay attention, get it in writing or email. That way, if you're confused or don't know how to spell something, you you can open your phone, open your email. A lot of us have smartphones nowadays. It's fairly easy and accessible. And we can just show the bank teller, this is what I need. It's exactly what I just did a little bit ago. This I mean, is, that's what you do. This is what I need. Um, that's how it needs to be spelled. These are the details that need to be on it. And that way, it's not a tertiary you know, transaction. Right. right. I didn't hear it. Someone didn't tell me. I'm not telling somebody. Right. It's this is the email that they sent me. Here is the information. Correct. And that way, because the, you know, the more people you put in a transaction the more likely something is to get mistaken or goofed up. We are humans. Right. Exactly. And we're still here for you. You know, a lot of times agents don't go to the closings anymore, but what you can expect is to finalize everything, uh, to turn that big check over, and then in turn have the keys given to you. And then, yes, that house is yours. Have at it. Get at it. Go inside. Um, I always tell my buyers, though, too, I'm, I'm still here because 
you might have questions in the first 30 seconds when you walk back in that house. You might have questions within the first 24 hours. Things do happen. I do tell people, you know, um, you might walk into that house and it's exactly as you remember and it's wonderful and it's, you've already got the moving van backed up and your family coming, you're gonna move all weekend and it's, it's so exciting. Or you might have an unfortunate incident where you closed yesterday and you woke up and the furnace quit. These things happen. <laughs> they do happen. Welcome to homeownership. But you call your agent, say, hey, do you know somebody that can help me with this? Or who's a good um, you know, contractor for this type of issue that I'm looking for now that I know I want to make some changes? Homeownership is just that. Now it's the first day of maintenance for the rest of your homeowner life there. And so yeah. um, it's celebratory, it's exciting, but understand that there's no perfect house. Um, it's your perfect house. And now being in the other side of being a homeowner, your maintenance and your responsibility and your joy of being a homeowner begins. Really because you're building equity in yourself. And that's what homeownership is, is building equity in yourself, yeah. owning a home that will you know, hopefully pay you back later or that you can leave to your children if you decide to go that route or you build something for your family. That's right. Um, that's, what it, that's what it can do to you. That's do for you. And, you know, and that's the joys of owning a home. That's right. Uh, the forest is happy. The trees could be sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're in the forest, it, it, the day-to-day -day could be monotonous. You hear, you hear people saying, Ugh, if it's not one thing, it's another. Sure. But when you look back on it over 10 and 15, 20 or 30 years, you can say every day wasn't always enjoyable. But when I look back on this, it has provided me a great, great deal of stability. Absolutely. Um, a great deal of joy. Resource of wealth. And a great deal of memories. That's right. Where um, all your most important memories yeah. and moments are made are in your home. Yeah, absolutely. So we invite you to embark on that journey of homeownership with us. Um, not everything is easy, but it's always worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know that these last two episodes have been quite lengthy, <laughs> but I will say that that in a nutshell mm -hmm. is the process of buying a home, purchasing a home. It is. And like I said, they are lengthy, but you know, and there's a lot of micro topics that we can discuss and will discuss. We're going to talk to a lot of people as we start breaking even this process down into smaller episodes. Um, but yeah, it, we want your questions. We want to know what you, what you think about it. Um, comments. If there's something that was confusing, let us know. Uh, social media. Gavin, what's our social media? Get Real Podcast. Yeah. Sorry, Get Real Estate Podcast, on both on Instagram and on Facebook. And we also have an email, too, at getrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. We really encourage you guys to send us your questions because we want to discuss these things. We want to uncover and peel back this onion, and I'll call it an onion. All right. It has layers. So. It does. Lots of them. And like Josh said, we're going to tease some things out. We appreciate and we invite you to collaborate. Let us know uh, what your questions are. Make an appointment with us. Um, maybe even find yourself on the show sometime soon. Yeah. And, you know, just so you guys know, this isn't, it, it's very laborious, but it's very gratifying for Gavin and I to be able to discuss these topics with you guys. It's, it's what we love to do. We love educating people. I think at the very core of our beings is education. Yep. We love to help people. Yeah. That's, I love to be able to solve a problem for someone, educate someone, help someone, offer some bit of advice that, you know what, hey, maybe this is what I've done in the past. Maybe it'll work for you. Right. 
It's and we're learning all the time, too. We wouldn't be good agents if we weren't. Um, I don't know any profession where if you make a decision to not keep learning that you're going to be successful. So that's why we always talk about the ability to invite you and collaborate with you and answer questions because we love to hear from you and your experiences. It makes us stronger agents and better community members and gives us the leverage and ability to help others too. Yeah, just like other professionals, you know, we're good at what we do, but this is why we practice. Yeah. We practice real estate. It's a practice, that's right. Yes, we get better. Not perfection, it's practice. Well, yeah, and you know, we get better every day. That's right. But thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Buy Your Basics, and we look forward to hearing from you soon, guys. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. We're going to be doing this a lot more, so to be sure to leave us a review and a rating as it lets us reach more people and lets us know how we're doing. We hope you're doing well. Cheers until next time.